Passing Dimes is over the moon to partner with BetStamp. BetStamp is a mobile app in the sports betting space that shows you the odds from every sports book in one spot. Do you enjoy betting on the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, World Cup, or more? With BetStamp, you can compare the best available odds at one sportsbook versus the worst odds at another sportsbook all in one place. Go to the App Store today and download BetStamp for free and use code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S. For a limited time, BetStamp is offering you, a friend of the show, an opportunity to learn more about BetStamp and several sportsbooks where you can get an edge in online sports betting. Message the Passing Dimes Instagram or Facebook account for more information. Hello and welcome back to Sharp Cuts. My name is Garrett May alongside Josh Nickel. As always, and welcome back to the show to you and to us, Josh, because we've been off for a while. We took an extended break over the holidays, and I hope nobody's pissed at us. We didn't tell anybody anything. We just kind of surprised we're not going to be here for four weeks. How are you doing, man? I'm great, Garrett. It's great to be back. I wonder if we've been like away long enough that people like started to miss us. After the first week, they're like, oh, maybe the show's over. And then week two, week three, week four. But now they're like, we were around or excuse me, away long enough that they like miss us. So they were like, oh, what happened to those two guys? So we're back and this one's going to get huge downloads. I can feel it. I hope they miss us enough that you you are actually listening right now. You went out and looked and be like, oh, it's an episode back. We got to listen to it because we got a great guest coming back off the break, starting hot. I mean, we may be a little bit rusty, but no, no, there's no one better to help us work off the rust than Sean McKay. Sean, welcome back to the show. Friend of the show, friend of ours. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, I'm a pretty non-threatening guest. So if you're going to be a little bit rusty, probably a good uh, good guy to have on. Yeah, definitely. Sean's not going to like call us out if we're making mistakes or anything like that. Sean's going to just let, let us have, he's going to let us have a few mistakes. It's going to be good, Josh. So let's jump in. And after the break, you know, I don't know about you, Josh, or you, Sean, because we're back at the volleyball scene, right? Everybody takes a break. But I was doing some soul searching, some thinking about it, because being off volleyball totally, I mean, you start to reflect on it. And kind of the one thing that just got into my mind that I was really, I think this is a great trio to talk about this, is the concept of loyalty in volleyball and what does that actually mean? Let me, let me tell you where I'm coming from. So we all come back from the break, you know, second half of the indoor season. You got beach teams reforming, changing, preparing for the new year. And, you know, you see this situation. Think about this situation for a second. You know, you got a guy on your team or a girl on your team. They play the first half. You come back in the second half, somebody's coming back from injury, somebody's coming in because they were academically ineligible or whatever, and now you're making to say, okay, who do we go with? Who, who's, who's the starter? Who are we working with? Or maybe it's a beach situation where you go, yeah, I've been with this person all of last year, so-and-so is knocking at the door. Do I stick it out? Do I make the switch? And what do I do? So was curious to get your guys' thoughts about where is loyalty in volleyball? Because it, there's a lot of opportunities I find for it, but do we ever really think about it? Oof. This is heavy. This is heavy out of the gate. Heavy. <laughs> hey, welcome back to Sharp Cuts, everybody. Loyalty. So I think the, the beach example you gave for me, that one gets magnified even more with Olympic qualifying. So not only is it like a new year, people get excited, but like this is your partner for the next two years that you're going to try to go to the Olympics with. So if you change now, like you're, you're basically locked in. So, ooh, that's a big decision. I mean, you're kind of locked in, but we've seen teams change midway through this year. Like, you know, pe- people change all the time. And I, I just, 
gets me going. I guess the indoor example is a little bit more tangible because there's more players. And as a coach, you have to make more decisions, right? And I don't know, when we look at some of the examples in our sport, you think about Mark Heese and John Child were together for 10 plus years playing. They stuck it out. You don't think those guys had guys knocking on the door every single year? Like, oh, this guy's younger, jumps higher, stronger, more physical. And they stuck it out. And I, I don't know, did, could they have done better? I don't know, but they had some pretty good success, right? So I don't know what the right call there is, but I'm curious what you guys are feeling about that. Yeah, I mean, I can't talk too much to the to the beach scene, but from an indoor, especially collegiate perspective, um, your loyalty is being on the team. In my mind, it has nothing to oh. do with whether you're you're getting on the court. So um, the the best player is going to play on the weekend, and the, the guy that's going to give you the best shot, or girl that's going to give you the best shot to to win that weekend. Um, now it needs to be earned. It can't just be you were better before before you got hurt, you still need to be better after as well, in my mind. Right. So you're looking at practice, but Sean McKay as a coach is looking at, okay, in any given moment, forget like to start a match. In any given moment in a match, I'm making a decision regardless of loyalty for who's going to give me the best chance to win moment to moment is what you're saying. Yes, I would like to think that is the case, but sometimes maybe I get a little bit soft in those decisions but yes moment to moment who's going to give us the best shot to win that match um or who's going to give us the set best shot to move up in the standings or or host a playoff match or accomplish our goals of, of getting to nationals so no loyalty means nothing you can be loyal to be to a team but I don't, I don't think you need to be loyal to a player's role on that team they earn that role or or not yeah like now that i'm That's coaching indoor again garrett like i think that first practice after the holiday break, New York, we didn't play any exhibition. We didn't go to uh, any tournaments or anything. So we could tell like who took the time off and who was actually still bopping the ball. So if you come back and you're completely raw and you're kind of like not really helping us, I don't think we like second guess the decision to make a lineup change because like you just didn't do any work over the break. You took two weeks of nothing. So uh, I feel with indoor, there's less guilt associated with like, if you didn't do the work or if somebody passed you, like you're, you're still on the team and we value you, but like, we're not going to make you a starter because you were the starter in like late November. You know what I mean? Oh, I totally know what you mean. And I, I'm glad you both said this. I'm glad you both are taking this position because I think this is really where this, get, this gets tested. Because I think you're both giving kind of, to call you both out, welcome back to Sharp Cuts, the easy answer there, right, is you got to go with what you think is going to help you win moment to moment. But it's also not that easy because we also have to think about winning long term, right? Yeah. You, you also think about winning the championship, not necessarily point to point. So there are things, winning next season, winning, being successful in your entire season. So I'll scenario this. Let me just throw scenarios at you guys just to challenge you after you've gone on a limb and committed to a position. So you, you play the first half, you have one setter, say. Setter's often the easy one to challenge this. You got one setter going the whole time. You, you struggle, you're competitive every match. You come back, you're playing a good team. You lose two sets. With your, with your guy in, you got a fourth-year guy on the bench, a backup setter. You bring him in, you give him that third set to try to get you the win. You think the other guy's better, but you're not going to give the other guy a look? Are you, are you going to be loyal to the fourth-year, or are you going to be loyal to the guy? What's the move there? Like, what's the right move there? 
Yeah. Did you did you watch our matches on the weekend, Garrett? I'm guessing not, because your scenario is very similar to what happened. We've been kind Wait, of did this happened to you. We we have two. We have three really good competitive setters, and we've been flip flopping kind of all year. Super sweet battle going on. Um, and basically, the conversation we had is there's just not a ton of. You know, I don't. I don't even know if loyalty is the right word, but but whoever's going to put us in the best position to win that night, we and we made that switch. So Friday we were down two one, made a setter switch. Saturday started the setter we switched to, um, but then we went down two one again and we made that switch back. So it was it was kind of like a revolving door. Ended up winning both matches. Um, but yeah, whatever guy was giving us the chance to win in that moment. And it was both nights. It was the guy I didn't start. So maybe that's where my loyalty was wrong was the starting guy, but they both got the job done just in different ways. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like you started the first match, by the way, Sean, I immediately call him out. He brings up an example that happened this week where he did just f lived what he just said he believed. So, okay, way to have ammunition ready, Sean. But <laughs> you, you started the one guy on the first night and then your opinion of who was going to give you a better chance to win changed for the next night, purely yes. based off of the last two sets. Yes. So it must be very close, right? Which, hey. Oh, yeah. Like, crazy. you're crazy keeping close. it fair at least, right? What about that third guy? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this weekend he didn't see the time. But uh, <laughs> we're just in a weird, weird – like, I have four setters this year. Uh, one's a red shirt, but – uh, all three are are competing for starting times. It's pretty crazy. They've all won, you know, two plus Canada West matches. So really, really weird setup, but seems to be working all right. We'll keep riding. Yeah, I mean, so this is this is incredibly relevant to you. Setter battle. I mean, it's good that it's a competitive battle, right? But um, so Josh, I mean, same question, right? Let me let me scenario it for you in a beach sense, so you can get a little you can get a little action here. So you got a team who is competitive on the world tour. They're a qualifier team. And one of them comes to you and says, hey, so-and-so um, is looking to ask me to change partners and I'm looking to upgrade. That new partner is unproven, but possibly a better option. It's unclear. What are you recommending as the coach that they do? I think your Mark and John example is the model. Like I think teams switch partners almost too often where like the, the ability to like, cause it, Garrett, it's not just the competition stuff. It's how do you travel together? Do you get along with that person? Like when you lose a match on the beach, you're in a hotel room with the person who just cost you money. So if you don't like this person, like you can go negative pretty fast. So like, I, I think you got to value the relationship a lot where John and Mark, like I don't have it in front of me. Was it not like 15 years they stayed together? Like it was like, we lost count. <laughs> it, it, it was a lot and I think that that counts for something eventually where I, I don't know if we're misusing the word loyalty when we talk like indoor because I think Sean's point of being on the team like if you're loyal to the, the team as a group like I don't think it matters who if you're subbing someone I don't think you're being disloyal by subbing someone are you? I, I don't know are you? I don't think so I think you're loyal. Yeah, like I think you would want to be in a team environment where if you're doing the work, you would hope coach notices and you get an opportunity. If you do well, then you get to like keep playing, right? Like you wouldn't want just like this is our starting six in September and that's our starting six in March, right? Like I think if you're kind of like a depth guy, you would want an opportunity to like prove yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, right. But okay, so interesting though that you take that perspective, Josh. 
because if you believe as a beach player that changing partners is going to give you the best opportunity to win, but you're not sure about being loyal to the partner who you've been consistent with thoroughly, it sounds like it maybe just sounds like you should value more the relationship as a ingredient to winning rather than the, like the change up and the, just the X's and O's of who you think is more skilled. Yeah. Well, I think that comes down to the, the subtle difference of our sport is one is a marriage and one is like a family, right? So if one family member steps up that week, you don't get like, hopefully you don't get jealous. Hopefully like you appreciate the value and you celebrate what they're doing. Like that, that's something that's a benefit of indoor that we don't have is they have people. If you're not playing well that game, you can sub somebody in. So that might be just something different in our sport where on the beach, Garrett, it's 12 events with the same partner to qualify for the Olympics. That's a lot. That, that to me is two seasons, right? I mean, probably. Yeah. Has to be. So you got to commit, I guess. Or change early enough. Dump the new one early enough to go back to your old one to get 12 events in. <laughs> ah, there it is. There it is. Okay. So then to circle back a little bit, where is the place for loyalty in volleyball then? Because, you know, Sean, you mentioned about keeping a guy on the team. I mean, you don't really have an option mid season necessarily to. Be, be making a, I mean, I guess you could just cut a guy and say, don't come out anymore. That obviously that's, that seems pretty extreme, right? Yeah. I think we do, especially collegiate volleyball. We have, we have to be aware that we recruited this kid, help them make a decision to come to this university, make a massive life decision. Volleyball was a part of that just because they don't perform the way you thought they did on the volleyball court, I think there still needs to be some leeway in terms of loyalty. Like this guy gave you two years. He's still not working out. Can you find a role for him? Probably not a starter, but can you find a role for him where he can contribute and still be on a team and get an education? So I do think there's loyalty there that we need to adhere to. And then I think in the volleyball world, professional volleyball is the least loyal of professional sports in the world the way we roll over these one two like someone signs a two-year contract and we're like oh they're locked down for a while like whereas any other sport you're looking at multi multi multi-year deals yeah man gosh it's interesting because i would i haven't said my position so i guess i'll enter the fray here and i'll say that loyalty has a way bigger place in volleyball than we really ever use it we really ever kind of um implement it say um, and I think like collegiate is a little bit different, but I think the principle is still there because you got guys or girls for the four years or five, right? Or some of them six years. So that's a chunk of time, you know, you have, but when we think about club volleyball, we think, oh, that's different. Right. But how many years do you play club volleyball with that group? Right. You, if you play 13, you, you get five years, right? So it's, it's actually like a very similar chunk of time. So when you commit to somebody to being on the team in their first year, you know, what does that mean for, you know, giving them opportunities and respecting them and putting them in positions to be successful over their, over their five years or four years that they have with you. Um, And I think we don't use it enough. And I'll give you an example where I think we often miss the opportunities. I'm curious what you guys think. So set two, we've lost the first tight. We go down big in the second. So this is always a weird spot, right? Like, okay, we're going, we're obviously getting our asses kicked 
And you hear a lot of times coaches will give the cliche, I'll let them figure it out. It's like, well, okay. Or do you, you got guys on the bench hungry for that time to come in and try to make a difference. So what do you do, right? Do you be loyal to the guy and give them a chance on the court? Or do you give the guys off the court a chance to come in and, and make something happen? Then if you do, so say you make a sub. Say, Sean, you and me, we played together. So say we lose the first set and go down big in the first. Coach takes me and you out, which what's he doing, right? Like what an idiot. First that of never all, happens. Take, take your two best guys out. But takes us out and then puts the other guys in. And they, they come in and they bring it back. They don't win, but they perform. So now what do you do in the third set, right? Like now you've kind of screwed yourself. So I don't think I have a good answer to that question, but I think the way we think about it is not necessarily the way we should. I'm curious what you guys think. Yeah, how, how you're explaining this, I when I look back at how I coached George Brown Garrett, I think that's one of my bigger regrets is I had like a clear starting group and I thought, man, I need to be loyal to these guys as long as they're putting an effort like they're the guys. But like, I think it's easier to build a team if everyone knows they can contribute. And if you're a bench guy coming to practice and you know you're not going to get in where I was of the attitude where like I would rather my guys feel like, OK, I'm the man and coach is going to believe in me and I'm going to play through these moments where I don't know why as a coach I would lock into a starting lineup, but it can like float or can change or even coaching the OCAA, your roster is never the same twice in a row. People are flunking in, people are joining second semester. So uh, I think for an indoor team to do well, I, I think you got to have depth. And I don't know why you would lock in and say, oh, he's our guy. He's our starting setter. He's going to figure it out versus maybe they just don't have it that night. Or maybe they need a mental break for like half a set if you're getting blown out. Like, I don't know. That would be something that my coach philosophy has definitely changed in like the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, I think when we played Garrett, we didn't do a ton of subbing, maybe besides our P2 spot um for the most part um i know i never came off but i also think that's where the closest battle was a lot of the times right like i think in volleyball it's a really interesting kind of sport where like the the battle needs to be close in order for me to pull that string like if it's a massive gap if that it doesn't matter if that guy's losing and you know shank and all the all the balls that are getting served at him. If I don't believe that the guy coming off the bench is going to do a better job or he's never showed me it, then I, I don't think I make that sub. Whereas if that battle's close, I'll, that leash gets a whole lot shorter. But so your top guy, you're never taking off then because you don't think it's that close ever. Well, like Dylan Mortensen's our, our, our top scorer right now. And he's, he's his seventh year at university. He's one of the top all time scorers in, in Canada West we will sub him off. I, the only time I subbed him off this weekend was we were down big in the third and I, I subbed him off to rest him um, and then put him right back in um, at the start of the next set. But that was literally just a fatigue management thing. Nothing really more than that. Let him chill out. Did you tell the athlete who went in for him that this is just to rest Morty or did you say like, hey, like, let's go get some points. Like, this is your chance. Um, no, I don't think you really like want to pull the wool over their eyes. Like they're smart kids. Like this is Mortensen. This is his, you know, this will be his 10th point he's ever sat on the bench. So it's like, he's going back in. Um, but those guys going on the court have a big responsibility to see if they can turn the tide. Um, you step on the court, you should have an ego that just goes through the roof and you want to compete anyways, whether it's pity time or not. Um, and this isn't even pity time. It's just your role right now is to, to give him a rest, I guess. 
Yeah, like, I mean, it sounds like, Sean, you have a pretty healthy view for being competitive, right? For sure. And you keep, you're, you, it sounds like you think about loyalty, keeping guys on the team. And honestly, it's something I've struggled with. So I don't know if we're going to solve it today. Definitely, Josh, <laughs> I think on the beach, if I can make any strong point, is that we definitely undervalue it on the beach. People change in partners a ton and really miss out on the opportunity of like making it through the tough piece, like making it through the muck with a partner and getting out on the other side and what that looks like versus just the easy switch. And I know it's, it's, it's a hard analogy to take to indoor, but I think that's what I'm trying to prompt us and the listener to, to think about as well Is like, if it seems so obvious on the beach and we kind of nod and we go, yeah, you're right. Like that's probably some value in that. So where's that indoor? That's got it. It's, it's a very similar sport. Yeah. It's a different team makeup, but it's got to exist somewhere. Right. Well, when you were brought up the club thing in loyalty, my mind went to, you mentioned you're on the team for like five years or whatever. Does that mean Garrett may you're coaching 14 you at club Garrett's awesome. Does that mean if you make the team in 14 you, you make the team in 18 you? Like, well, so this is my experience is the eight guys we had at 14 you were eight of the 12 guys we finished with at 18 you. Right? Like, you had one guy left because he didn't want to play anymore. Um, and you add a you know handful of other guys who come on to kind of fill it out. But that the, the seven or eight guys stayed all the way through. Never even considered, like, Crush didn't even have tryouts. Like, just to bring the guys over, fill out the team, right? It was just kind of that group. So I guess it, I was maybe, I'm definitely influenced by that experience because I never went through the tryout process and my coach never had to think like oh am I going to keep this person over this person like like we see now in club volleyball where it's like that's every single year you get massive tryouts like people dealing with this every time right and that's real you know that's a good point John that that's really when it's challenged you you worked with a person all year last year and somebody new and shinier and who looks a little bit better comes along the next year and like what do you do right like so I would advocate, and this is what I did in any team I played, I always offered a guaranteed spot to anybody who was on the team before. And if we were full, we were full. And then that's it. But is that the best way to win? I think there's pros and cons. It's tough, and I'm going to take the off-ramp here and send it to Sean. I don't know if you're coaching club this year, but you used to be a part of London Fire, where I think you guys, maybe if you count your house league, probably have hundreds, if not a thousand members, right? So what do you guys do with tryouts when a kid's coming back in a center as big as London? Like, did you guys have a club philosophy, or was it wide open every single year when you were there? Okay, you're gonna you're gonna go and mute yourself. Like, how unprofessional here, Sean? Like, gosh, gee, it seemed like your point was gonna be really great. I tried to do what Josh does when he mutes and unmutes, but you just leave yours on all the time because you're always talking. But Josh is nice and tries to mute it. Um, Absolutely. I need to preface this by saying I coached a total of half a club season with LVC. Um, so maybe my loyalty is a little lacking too. I left midway through the season, um, <laughs> to other things. but, um, they did a really cool thing I, from at least the time I was there. It was like, everyone tries out. I don't know if they had the signing windows and stuff yet, but they really emphasize the tryout. Um, and that's what we're trying to do at our club here that we're running is we will host a tryout every year. Now, a lot of those kids know they're on the team, I guess but there should always be a tryout for a few spots um, is, is my mind how it should look. 
Yeah, and so what inevitably ends up happening is kids you spent a year working with get cut. They want to come back and they can't. Yes, yes, unfortunately. Um, and I don't know if that's a great way to do it high performance wise, because I or not high performance, but end goal performance wise, because I do think staying together with the same group pays huge, huge dividends. I honestly wonder what would happen if you took a pro team and you're like, this is going to be our team for the next seven years. Heck, you could do eight or nine years if you could see, you know, if you could go into one of those top leagues and do well compared to those teams that are just revolving doors. We just had Brooks Sador on passing. It was a great segue, by the way. Uh, go listen to his episode. But he mentioned, Garrett, his Grand Prairie team won their provincial high school. They beat Riley Barnes and Brett Walsh, who were at the same stacked high school team. And the and the biggest thing he credited to was he played with his guys from like as long as he could remember. And I think there is value in that of you, you learned how to communicate. You learn how to get guys going if they're not switched on. You, you can get to the truth a little bit faster. Like, obviously, your skills are pretty good if you're just playing with your friends in the gym. Like, uh, I think there is a ton of value. It's just... It's, really hard to do i'm not sure you're right high performance sport just because you make the team in 13 you doesn't mean you're on the team the whole way but there's some work to do but finding that balance of keeping kids involved in the same team i think i see a ton of value well great so it sounds like we all agree that there's a place for loyalty in volleyball and we're all on the journey to figure out where that is um, some of us feel worse about it than others, I think. Josh, you had a bit of a sensitive moment earlier. And I, we, didn't, we didn't really respect that. I appreciate that. And Sean's just giving it to us straight. I mean, just tell us, yeah, he's cutthroat. I'm going with who's going to win. You know, that's probably why you're getting big wins in the, uh, in the Can West out there. So good for you, okay? So comment down below. Let us know your thoughts. Hit us up. We want to hear it. Maybe just text Josh because nobody comments. But um, your thoughts about loyalty. Are you loyal to this show after we leave for four weeks and then come back? Or have we lost your loyalty? I mean, we're loyal to you guys, so please be loyal to us. But anyways, speaking of loyalty, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. We've confirmed this. It's Players and Clowns of the Week, okay? So let's get to it. We're going to give Sean time to prep because Sean's a busy guy, okay? He's coaching. He's recruiting. He's going out there getting wins and then getting asked about loyalty from a couple of nimrods here on the sharp cut. So we'll give you a sec, Josh. Um, I think I'll start because I'm ready. So I'll just roll right into it. You're giving me a nod. Let's go. Okay, so I have a few players of the week this week. I, I don't know. I just it, it feels nice when you have multiples because you feel like if you miss on one of them, another one's going to be pretty good. So let's roll through this. So a, a delayed player of the week to Heather Bansley for becoming the next-gen women's coach of the Beach Volleyball National Team. I mean, that is a week's ago news but congrats to heather well deserved i hope uh man i hope she outshines you josh in that role as she's right next to you now and now you got to compete with heather for the best next gen coach if it hasn't happened already it's probably going to happen very very soon okay there we go i'm looking hey, forward to that battle can someone go back i'm pretty sure she was the player of the week or the person of the week last time i was on the show as well but we might have to check that can you get it twice? Oh, you everybody. We've had many multiples, so definitely can get it twice. Um, you're gonna give it to Dylan Mortensen for a great performance because he's already had it multiple times. I think. Yeah, Morty we, had a great Doubled weekend. up on him. No chance. So, congrats, no chance Heather. Um, hope you do well. Okay, my next player of the week is an interesting one. So, player of the week goes to Sport Canada for the Sport for All grant that they just announced. 
for getting funding to bring sport to kind of underdeveloped regions in our country. And a bit of a serious moment here, but it's not something you hear about happening too much and or there being much money available for this type of stuff, but I want to applaud it. Keep that up, Sport Canada. I don't think we've always had a great relationship, but this is the kind of stuff I'd like to see. Josh, do you have any more info about that? Do you know about that? Not off the top of my head. That's a great okay, thing. Great. I, I know uh, Volleyball Canada just got more money to encourage uh, diversity and inclusivity. So like uh, that might be a similar funding model. But uh, again, going to, I, I believe the first uh, grant was awarded to a group in northern Quebec who just doesn't have access. So now I think they're going to get equipment, a couple of clinicians to go up there, train some local coaches. So again, getting people more access to our sport, which is awesome. So I want to see that group in northern Quebec stick together for a period of time, ex like express some loyalty to each other and come and dominate. That would be an amazing story. And we should make a movie about it when it happens. Um, so Player of the Week to Sport Canada for that. I mean, gosh, we never thought I'd be giving Player of the Week to Sport Canada. But congrats. Um, and my last Player of the Week, Josh, I mean, we got to do it, is to Sarah Pavin and Sophie Bukovic for absolutely locking out and getting a wild card into the World Tour Finals. Are you kidding me, Josh? Canada getting a wild card into an exclusive tournament you gotta be top 10 in the world to get to? What? That That's huge, and the extra layer here is, Garrett, if you think about it, they have the same amount of points as Melissa and Brandy because they're essentially the same team, right? Yes. So yes. while the FIUB picked one, I'd be so uncomfortable I would have given it to both of them, but they had to pick one. I'm glad it went to Canada. So yeah, good for them. I hope they crush this tournament. What a weird, like, what's the conversation happening in the room there? You're like, okay, we got to give it to Canada, but they have two identical teams. <laughs> All of them are Olympians, medalists, whatever. Like, who do we go with? Well, actually, not all of them are Olympians. Oh, would that have been your tiebreaker? Yeah. So they went with the team with one Olympian instead of the team with two Olympians. I don't know. Is that a criteria? Yeah, and the other team has one Worlds and has a second at Worlds, both Olympians. Yeah, so... Oof. I mean, but congrats to Sarah and Sophie for winning that battle somehow like maybe they i don't know how they did it but they won a battle and they're in the tournament so i'm looking forward to that i hope they do well um 10 teams in that tournament and uh i mean how great would it be for them and for canada if they go in there with the wild card and just dominate and get a win that would be next level that would set us up for a big year josh so i'm rooting for that so congrats to them I'm glad you brought that up because now when they do well, we can say they got the sharp cuts bump and we like we talked it into existence, right? Yes. Yes. We've done that a few times <laughs> and we're going to keep taking credit for that. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to talk about all the times we've predicted people winning and they haven't won. So I don't I don't um, remember a single time. Actually, I don't remember. I don't think it's ever happened. So <laughs> we'll, we'll keep we'll keep looking. Um, OK, so that's my players of the week. Josh, I had three of them. So it, you better have something. I I, uh, I didn't go with three, Garrett. I went with one, and I went from this week. So I, I don't know. We, we got Sean McKay on the show, who's got an absolute wagon of a team. They just beat Trinity two in a row. But I'm not going to go there, Garrett, because I'm going for another absolute wagon of a team. McMaster women have won like nine games in a row. They've won three this week, Garrett, because of the wonky schedule. So as we're recording this, they just beat the York women. And Sully Sandara is just a walking 20-piece like a game, Garrett. So she's getting uh, – here, let me read this out. So against Brock, it was Brock's first loss in like all season, Garrett. It feels like it's the first time Brock's lost in two years. Uh, she got 17 kills, 20 points against U of T on Sunday, uh, 20 kills. 
Uh, and against York tonight, 18 kills. Again, just automatic 20 points for Sully every time she plays. So Mac is just absolutely trending. OUA, we're going towards the playoffs, Garrett. It's a great time for volleyball right now. Are those like three set games? Uh, I think U of T was four, Brock was five, and tonight at York, uh, I only saw the box score. I didn't actually check the set score. I just liked that they won, so let me get on that. I mean, if if you're getting 20 points a game, like, it's hard, Josh. You know, because Sean and I spent a season trying to pad my stats the entire year, and it's difficult to, like, to get five kills in a set is very hard. So, I mean, good for her and getting a couple of wins. That's awesome. So yeah, I don't have three, but I have one really good one, Garrett. So we'll go with that. that oh, oh, that's it. That, that that's that's my player of the week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, great player of the week. But I thought I thought you'd be bringing more content to, to this to this. Brock show. was in five. Toronto was four. And tonight at York was another three-one victory. So yeah, if you're not already on the bandwagon, hop on the bandwagon. Uh, and I I said nine, Garrett. It was seven. Their streak is seven wins in a row. Sorry. Gosh. I mean, great player of the week, but the execution of the stats was <laughs> had left some room for improvement. Been, uh, it's been about four weeks since I've done research for the show. So. <laughs> but you went, you went aggressive. You went to try to quote three games rather than just one stat line like we've historically done. So you're up in your game, and I respect it. Well, I mean, Garrett, it's not very often we get a Wednesday night game. So do we celebrate it? Do we make it a clown move? But I don't know why a school-based sport would be playing games on a Wednesday night. But anyways, they took it down against York tonight. Like, I had classes on Wednesday night. Like, I had an 8 p.m. class some years midweek. So, like, I got to miss that for a game? Brutal. Also had exams on Saturday, though. So, that was also kind of weird. Yeah. You, I, I didn't go to class. Do you play more midweek games? You uh, think we should? No, I thought in the OCAA, Sean, it was always the worst because you would go somewhere that was like driving distance. Like you'd go play Fleming on like a Wednesday night in Peterborough, Ontario. But then you'd get home at like 1230 or one in the morning because the women have a late match. You have a late match. And whenever we got home that late, I don't know if our guys were going to early class. Like I think it really actually suffers where the OCAA, I think you average maybe two games a week and only one was on the weekend and you had like a weekday night. So uh, I don't think school sports should play that many weekday games. If, if what Garrett's saying is everyone has classes during the week sometimes late like yeah yeah like we miss a ton of like we leave on thursday so we miss all of thursday all of friday class but that only happens i guess six or seven times a year but i mean there's no one close to us anyways we're pretty much isolated in the middle of nowhere so i guess we got to miss school regardless but well forget the players guys the players they're happy to miss class okay it's the coaches who are trying to do other stuff with their life trying to work a, maybe a second job work pay their bills like hey I got a Wednesday night game like you gotta go to work the next day Josh you get home at 2 2 a.m but I mean good for master getting the win on the on the Wednesday look at that digression you guys did we stall enough time for you to be ready Sean yeah, yeah, I've been doing some pretty heavy research here. I got I got two players <laughs> of the week. Um, no, they uh, they just popped in. Um, number one is McEwen men's volleyball picked up their first dub of the year um, in a in a tough conference. So always got to shout that out. I think that's that's pretty awesome. They went to five with UFV, and then just doing some self reflection from the weekend and uh, Henry Rempel torched us on the weekend 23 6 and 39 was his stat line um we couldn't stop him so i'll, I'll give props where props are due my guys played awesome but he was a, a good performance on the other side of the court 
Um, so yeah, he's my other, my other shout out. I remember being incredibly frustrated both Friday and Saturday with, with some of the stuff he was doing. Maybe the most humble players of the week we've ever had on the show, Josh. <laughs> Sean goes out and gets a couple of big wins with the squad this week, then comes on sharp cuts and gives players of the week to a team who's getting their first win of the season, which I always respect. Like, let's go boys, get it going. And then the best scorer on the team that you just beat. Yeah. Right? I have that right. Yeah, you got it. Or is that a subtle ego flex congratulating the team you beat? You know what? We, our guys are on a high right now. We're, uh, we're on a high. We had some pretty good wins there this weekend. So um, time, to, time to give some, some credit elsewhere, I get, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. Are they your clowns of the week? You got to bring them down a little bit from. You know, you're, they're riding high. You got to you got to bring them down a little bit back to earth. I get it. I get it. Well, awesome players of the week all around. Well executed, Josh. We're a bit rusty, but hey, we're still executing. We're staying loyal to the bit. So let's move on to really the favorite segment of the week, and it's clowns of the week. Um, I also have a few. Should I start again, Josh? Or are you you feeling good? Like, are you worried I've taken yours? No, I'm worried you have too many, so maybe I'll just go mine to get it out of the way, and then you guys can, like, add yours in. Okay. Yeah. So, Garrett, we'll I don't know if you've heard, uh, the FIV Beach is going to have a new ball for the Olympic cycle. No problem. That's not my clown move of the week. My clown move of the week is either Mikasa... What do you mean, no Mes- problem? A new ball? A, a new ball, That that's fine. It's the Olympics merchandise, whatever. I, I get the business of the sport or whatever we're trying to do. The problem is, Garrett, somebody really dropped the ball. Haha, <laughs> pun here. I don't know if they didn't tell Mikasa or Mikasa wasn't ready. There's no volleyballs, Garrett. So what the FIB has decided, you can't buy this ball. You can't look at it online. If you're a top 100 player, they shipped you two volleyballs. So as Volleyball Canada, we don't own a volleyball. But some of our players, thankfully, because they're in the top 100, were sent two volleyballs. So imagine, Garrett, you and Sean, top 100 team in the world. You're now practicing with four volleyballs. They play completely different than the old Mikasa. So let's release a new ball for competition that starts in February this year, Garrett. But nobody is training with this ball because you literally have two to go to practice with. What they gave them for free? Yes, that was okay. You're right. Maybe that takes them out of the clown conversation. But how do we have so few manufacturing that we're like, hey guys, there's going to be a new ball for Canada West this year, but like we're just gonna, you'll get them on game day. Like, like yeah, you, we don't, you don't get to either. train with them before. <laughs> like, oh, can I can I just buy my own? No, they're not for sale. You can't find them anywhere. They don't exist. <laughs> that is an absolute clown move. Hey everybody, we're gonna play with a new ball. Why? Business. We're going to get people to buy the new ball. It's going to generate income. It's going to be great. Oh, can we buy them? No, we, we don't have any. Like, we were told June by our Mikasa sponsorship deal. They're like, well, when can we, like, expect, like, Volleyball Canada to own a volleyball? So, like, thankfully, like, Sam and Dan bring their volleyballs to practice so we can, like, use the new ball. But we're just running all over the facility chasing it because we have, like, four balls. <laughs> well, as as it should be. You guys should be chasing those and shagging the balls respectfully in practice. And I'm glad you're asserting that authority, Josh. Well done. But yeah, absolute clown move. What is the ball? I haven't even seen it. I didn't even hear about this. It looks it very worse? similar. Uh, it's now dimpled. So I, I don't, we haven't figured out what it's going to do. It definitely oh, doesn't flow God. as much. It's very similar to the indoor ball. It's a little bit harder cover. Uh, the, the design, it looks very similar as, as the current ball, but definitely has a different play on it. Definitely like different in the past and serving games so it, it'll we'll see how it influences the game but it definitely it, i'm complaining because it's different enough and only having four practice is just grinding my gears 
That's brutal, man. I always hated playing with a new ball because you always hate it because it's different and you're not used to it. And then you get better, but then not everybody adapts. And so some leagues will play with a different ball. It was just brutal, man. Just awful. So, Garrett, I think in honor of this for our beach guys, the next time you have a Douglas practice, can you guys only train with four balls? I just want to see the, the drill design and practice and how it goes. Like, Well, but do we multiply it by the difference between beach and indoor guys or just four balls for the full indoor team too? Yeah, because if you guys practice with two balls per person, you got a full bucket. Like, you can run a pretty good practice. I think it has to be four total for the whole practice. Okay, but now here's the coaching challenge. is like run a great practice, top-tier practice with only four balls. That's on you. That's a coach move. Sean, no prep. Give us your best drill with four balls. (laughs) Four balls? Roll it out and say serve this at the opposing team, then play it out. Game to 25. Go. That's easy, it. Josh. See? It's Sean's a natural, easy. okay? It's just that easy. Sean's got it. He's ready to go. Sean's used to practicing with only four balls. You want to get better at volleyball? Just play volleyball. It's that simple, Garrett. Yes, absolutely. No, I'm okay. actually I'm known as like an equipment. I need, like we have six carts, 50 balls. I need to be fully <laughs> stocked. Oh, is it the opposite? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I need, I need, like, I like to have like constant drill going on less a little less shagging like even 50 balls sometimes is i'm like ugh. we have a big gym but yeah we're in two different worlds you and i <laughs> yeah, that's you are on the opposite ends both of you right now josh with four sean with 50 it's not enough so. he's got more ball cards than we have volleyballs <laughs> yes yes and he's complaining so you both of you figure it out <laughs> all right Okay, let's move on. I'll go, Sean, to just give you some more time because I know calling people out is the toughest thing to do for such a nice guy like you. So I'm going to do it, though. So um, my first clown of the week is a guy named George Santos. I don't know if you heard about this, um, but he's a politician from New York in the States, and he's a conservative guy and running for office, election, whatever. But it comes out. He's telling the story that, oh, yeah, I was into sports. I was a volleyball star. That this was his like, you know, trying to be personal. Oh yeah, I played volleyball. I, I, you know, I had to get my knees replaced because I played volleyball too much. Well, turns out this guy never played volleyball at all. So he lied, a politician lied about being a volleyball star to try to improve their station. And it's a clown move just for that. But I also got thinking, this guy is thinking, okay, I need to say I played a sport. What sport am I going to lie about playing that nobody's really going to call me on or figure out? And he picked volleyball. So full clown situation to this guy. I recommend you look up the article and see. It's pretty comical. I bet you do that too, Josh. I, I was worried, Garrett, when you brought up a political story. I didn't know where you were going to take this. But now, now I'm upset. Like, this is too far. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't get that political on the show. We argue with each other, but we're not going to get into politics. But if they lie about being a volleyball player, how dare you? Yeah, just that say, like, he played, like, tennis down the street at, like, the local courts or something. Why are you going to bring in volleyball? Well, yeah, like, well, but, so if you're going to lie, so let's walk down. If you're going to lie about being a star in a sport, right? So you've already decided you're going to lie. What sport are you picking? Like, who are you going to bury? I might pick volleyball because I know that, like, it's one of those sports you know about. You're like, oh, yeah, people play volleyball. But people who don't know volleyball don't know any anything about it. 
I might say curling as well. Curling would be another one. You'd be like, nobody's ever going to find out. I never was a curler. So is this based on like the general population not being found out? Like I, I've never golfed. If I said I'm a good golfer and you guys invite me out, like you're going to know in the first swing that I can't do it, right? Where maybe he th- never thought they'd be like, oh, I play in a Monday night league. You should come play volleyball with me. Yeah, like that would never happen. Or like if you said baseball, somebody like throw you a ball and you like catch it, uh, throw it around. If you suck, like you're going to be found out. Sean, what sport would you bury? Karate. <laughs> but hey, someone could be like, "Oh, like show me something," and be like, "No, like I'll kill you if I do it. I can't. I can't use it right now." So you, you have the ultimate cover up. And in karate, don't they say like, "No, I can only do it in self defense." Yes, like exactly. That's the that's the principle. Well, then you're going to get people attacking you and be like, "Defend yourself." <laughs> and you're not going to be able to. People trying to go you and you'd be like, ah, okay, I'd run away. That's that's a good one though too. All right, well enough of that guy because he doesn't deserve any more airtime. But okay, my second clown of the week is volleyball world and beach volleyball world. And I don't know you guys, I'm a consumer of media. So at the end of the year, you know everybody does the like, you know yearly summaries and like best of the year and like these compilation stuff. And so volleyball world and beach volleyball world are no different. And the videos are good. The videos are good. I love the highlights, compile them. I want to watch it. But it just makes me realize like how uncool they make volleyball sound with the way they name these videos. So like some some examples. Top setter attacks. Like it just sounds so lame. Top from beach. Top skilled attacks of the year. What does that mean? Does that that sound cool? Yeah, like, what is that? The roll shot? But you want to watch a highlight video of the top roll shots of the year? Like, what does that mean? It just sounds so boring. Then there's a playlist for over-on-one digs, which, for a volleyball person, you go like, oh, that that sounds like an interesting play. But if you don't know volleyball, are you going like, what what are they talking about? This doesn't sound cool. You know what I mean? And the worst offender, by far, is the beach volleyball world highlights of the best hits, the biggest bounces, craziest smashes. They called super spikes. Like, are you kidding me? That's the lamest way I can think of to describe a a highlight of hits, big hits. And it just got me so disappointed. I was like, man, volleyball is cool, but we're, we're not, we're actually not that cool. Like we sound so lame. And so that's my clown of the week to volleyball world and beach volleyball world. You guys agree or are you thinking I'm being too harsh? I agree. As you're explaining the way they've named it or sorted, this is the people in charge of promoting our sport. Right. This is the top spot. Like they're invested in this. Like it's their job. Like shocking. Yeah. I think that the non volleyball people need to, I, I mean, super spikes might ring true with a lot of people, but like, the over on ones no it should be like biggest bombs of 2022 um, bombs that's a great way to describe it sean immediately <laughs> biggest bombs yeah i'm watching that video uh we used to have some different words from it that probably they wouldn't be able to use those words but um yeah, probably. you know top roofs like find the the cool lingo rather than accidentally shanking a ball over on one top <laughs> 
for 2022. Top skilled attacks. Let's watch the top yeah. skilled attacks from the year. It's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Some of them I think are less offensive, like the monster block. That's not a yeah. terrible way to describe it, right? So monster block, it's kind of a cool thing. It's very Euro though, like when they do the monster block, monster block. It's well, like, okay, enough. So here's a question for you. How long do you think the monster block thing stays around? We're probably at what, year four, year five now maybe? Or is it is this going to fade out or are we going to be doing this when we're 55 years old? That's a good question. Let's ask ourselves how cool is it? Because <laughs> the dunk and alley-oop, those are still called those things in yeah. basketball. And those are awesome. So monster blocks are awesome. But is that term... Do we think it's cool? Uh, also, the chant. Is the chant necessary every time? I think the chant is super lame. <laughs> Can you imagine if in an alley-oop in basketball, the entire crowd goes, alley-oop, alley-oop. You'd be like, this is the nerdiest thing ever. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you sold me. You swayed me on that one. When you explain it like that, yeah, I'm, I'm out now on the monster block thing. Right. Okay. Anyway, I, I, I'm a bit harsh, but I just, man, I wish volleyball was cool. Like imagine if volleyball was as cool as something like basketball or football, then we'd be like, we'd be celebs. People would love us. We'd be the cool guys. But now we're just the volleyball nerds and that depresses me. Yeah. All right. need much, much more using the radar gun recording speeds. Love people love that stuff. How high did the ball bounce? Give us an actual height, stuff like that. If you can Hawkeye it onto a line, you can Hawkeye it upwards. So let's get That's a, a great point. Let's get a look that at that. That is such a great point. Ball. Like we're going to watch it for the line. No, no, no. Forget that. We don't care really if it's in or out. We want to see how high it went up after the bounce. Or like when somebody rips a serve, there's like some animation that plays on the Jumbotron. It's like fire, like just scorcher, or like, I don't know, some cool term like, or big bomb explodes and a guy drops like an ace that's more than 140 kilometers or something like yeah, like, let's get into that. I don't know. We're not tennis. Like, we're not tennis. It's not like a sophisticated game. Do you think they should play walk-up songs for servers, or would that be too often? No, absolutely they should do that. Or, or how about this? Walk-up sound bites. <laughs> so it's not like well, a I'm song. Just... It's just like a, a like a... A, a three second sound effect like they do in some NBA arenas when they like hit the free throw and it's like the coin sound from Mario um, oh, yeah. or like somebody gets a foul or like an air ball and they do the whoop sound. Somebody steps back there to serve. Definitely give me a little sound bite. Maybe it's me going, yes, guy. I'd take that 100% of the time. Yeah. What would your sound bite be, Sean? Well, my favorite song growing up was well, I'm not growing up still, was Float On by Modest Mouse. So I thought it would be incredibly appropriate as a float server for that song to come on when I went back to float serve. Absolutely. This is the kind of stuff we need, Sean. Yes. Get it going in at USASC. Get get it going with them. Be like, hey, okay, when a float server step back, let's play Float On. for like, yeah, Let's get it going. Because that, that'll go viral for sure. And then he gets an ace. On the float, float on, just let it play, like, right? I don't really? know. All right. We're not done this segment. Um, Sean, I'm over not. to you. We, we've digressed. Clown of the week. I'll be quick. I'll be quick. Um, so 
my clown of the week is going to go to Modena or Modena. And we never really know how to pronounce the teams over there, their names, but essentially CV champions cup game. So not quite champions league, but the, the one below um, playing against a team full of Canadians and North Americans. Um, and they didn't start any of their, not any of their starters, but they took, um, a bunch of their starters off and didn't give them the start, not taking Lunenburg seriously. And then Lunenburg um, actually ended up winning the match. Heavily unfavorited, came back, won the match. Um, and Modena didn't start those guys, but ended up putting them on once things got close. So didn't love the move. Huge match against a good team. Bunch of Canadians, bunch of Americans. Um, but I, I love the result but I, I don't like how Modena treated that game. Oh, that is a big clown move. That's got to burn. You go into a big game, you're like, okay, we're, gonna, we're not going to start the start the starters. We're going, we're going to bench. Oh, gosh. And then brought them in later? Brought them in later. I think they went down one in a bit or maybe at the end of the first, but yeah, didn't, uh, didn't start them and, and paid the price. Oh, that's got to hurt. Oh man, that would hurt so bad as a coach. That is like, you got to own that one. I feel like, oh man, that is a clown move. Yeah. Have any of us ever done that? No, I think Mm. if you're willing to not put your starters on, you need to be willing. It needs to be a situation where you're willing to leave them off. That is usually my, you know, is it preseason or is it a learning experience for those guys? You're not doing it because you want to win that game, usually. Unless somehow you have the clearest win ever, I guess. But not a fan. Yeah. Well, great clown of the week, Sean. I mean, you came up with that while we were talking unprepared. A couple of players of the week, clowns of the week. Well done. My, my other one would be I also wrote the wrong number on a lineup card this weekend. So myself. Um, Did you sub at 0-0? Zero, zero? Yes, I subbed at zero zero. <laughs> so I told all the guys I owe them a beer once they're old enough and, and grown up and moved along because that was uh, – now I've done that before and the ref didn't catch it until 10-10 or something and we lost 10 points. But at least this time they caught it right off the bat. But still clown of the week going to myself. Myself and Modena. Well, good for you for admitting that, but that is always a tough spot. It's not um, a good look. We won the fifth set. It was in the fifth set. We won it anyways. But yeah, not a not a very smooth look for for Coach Sean. And I do of have all the sets to do that wrong. The fifth is probably the least bad one because you're probably not going to make that many subs anyway. It's a shorter set. True. Glass half full. I like it, Garrett. That's why I Unless. Like it. Unless it was a player who you were already going to do like an in and out, like a serving sub or like a double sub player, and you couldn't. Yeah, we weren't, but the option would have been nice. Oh, okay. So it was, it was okay, but it could have, it could have, it would have been better had you not. Well, and you always feel bad for the guy whose number you put, right? And then you got to right. sub him out right away. It's like ah, he had a good laugh. About did, it. When you showed the lineup card, did any of them? Did the, the guy go like? Just played it cool? Well, the thing is, I don't really show my player's lineup card, but I gave it to my assistant, and he double-checked it, and he didn't catch it either. So I guess we're the the group of clowns of the week, but but it's on me for the most part. 
That was always the classic. You come in, you get the lineup card card shown to you. Every yeah, time. That was a John Mayism. I don't know why. Oh, fair enough. Well, congrats, Sean, on your clown of the week. I'm sorry we didn't have Thank a player you. of the week for you to even it out after such a big week. Jo- neither Josh or I thought, ah, we'll get... Josh actually said, I was going to, but then I went away from it. So... So I'm glad you brought up the walk-up song thing, and that's going to happen at U of S, Garrett. The other thing that we haven't brought up is last time Dylan and and, uh, Prim, where Matthew Primrose were on the show, we had talked about, you know, the libero warming up and tipping balls either into the bleachers or over the net. So if you guys are going to do walk-up songs, I'd like to see the libero and the hitting lines, Garrett. Prim, I don't think, was ever brave enough to do this. He said he would do it, Garrett. He never did. But I think U of S, they owe us a favor here that we need the setter tipping in warm-up. Or excuse me, the libero, not the setter. Okay. Like going in, t- hitting line, and just tipping it. Yes, yes. Or even like the tool off the block, I think, a couple times. So the people in like the third row can get a game ball touch, you know? Yep, I respect that. Why stop there? Because that's not a realistic <laughs> rep for them, right? Why not have the libero come in the hitting lines and bump over a free ball <laughs> <laughs> to get that warm? You got to warm that up a little short volley into position one, maybe a little back bump, deep five, like warm it up, you know? Like Prim has so many missed opportunities. I feel like your current lip could probably pull this off. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'd love to see that. Just nice deep volleys to one. <laughs> <laughs> then you go shag it. You go and get it, bring it back. Like, yep, that, no, that's it. That's the, that's my warm up. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, you should do that too, Josh. What are you talking about? You got a team. That's true. Yeah, the first two rows are now going to be the splash zone, and they're just going to get balls tooled at them the whole time during warm-up. This is going to be great. Yep. And then and then that row at York that sit at the end of the court, it's also the splash zone because that's where you get the deep volleys coming <laughs> for another game ball touch action. Or we just got to spread it around. You got to hit the pipes off the back wall and claim you were going high off hands, but you got to warm up that shot against no blockers too, Garrett. You're so right. Forget the pipe guy. Every guy's got to hit a few off the back wall because you've got to warm up that deep tool shot, right? Yeah, like when we play Mac, if we ever play at Mac, we should try to hit the DJ. I think they're in a perfect tool spot where you would come over the top with the pipe. Well, you should just try to hit him anyways. Like, I mean, that's just a perfect target. Like, protruding out from the wall, definitely go for it. Absolutely. Your setter should also get a few, like, just turn and burns, like, at the ref's table, too. Like, the big right hand just... Just just unleash at the rest table. Make sure they're paying attention. I think we need to bring back the crowd. Like the crowd at the end of the court in York, Garrett, they should put K's up on the on the sign because uh, we had Zach Hutchinson on passing knives. He mentioned he was just a kid at a volleyball game like he liked volleyball. But when Joran Zeman's friends used to do that, he thought it was the coolest thing ever. I haven't seen people bringing like signs to games in a really long time. Yeah, people don't care, Josh. Maybe, I mean, do people care out in SAS, Sean? Like, you get fans who actually, like, are invested? Yeah, we get some, like, I think uh, Friday we had 800 fans. Saturday what? we had Yeah, we get a really good support here. It's it's awesome. We're uh, we're really well-supported fan-wise. It's us and the girls. Like, we play back-to-back. But, yeah, I think we're eight, 800 Friday, maybe a little less on Saturday. If you get one-third of them to subscribe to Sharp Cuts... Yeah. We will triple triple our subscriber base. Do we just become a sponsor of the Huskies? <laughs> I think we need to jump on this bandwagon pretty quickly, Josh, because it sounds like that's where the audience is. 
yeah, we got a cool following out here actually. Yeah. It's awesome. We have no other, like we have a WHL team other than that, like Huskies are kind of the, the top program in, in Sask, right? So in Saskatoon at least. So we get yeah, all they, kids are really I mean, well supported. Yeah. It sounds like the Huskies in Sask are, are rocking it. The Huskies in Toronto also produce great coaches, people, um, <laughs> podcast hosts like just it's the husky in general is just a really it's producing greatness i think can you imagine getting 800 people to a george around huskies game garrett yes yes but I, it, they don't fit that's the I, thing I, it's that's like, what I, mean. you, like, I can't fathom it it's that would be great to have people clamoring to get in to watch that <laughs> <laughs> That that yeah yeah what yeah eight hundred family and friends there to watch yep family and friends and faculty (laughs) coming to watch that yep that'd be great I mean if everybody on the team brings okay if you want to get eight hundred people so you got twenty people on the team everybody's got to bring way too many people for that to be viable there's some people who you don't know who are there yeah that's got to feel good. But they have to bring 20 right. signs because Garrett's getting 20 points a game. we got to put points on the board. Well, I'd choke under the pressure if 800 people were coming to the games. Are you kidding me? And definitely <laughs> not 20 kills. I mean, I mean, again, I told you, Josh. Sean, I like, I don't know. We tr- I tried to stack. Like, in my third year, I was getting five points, five kills a set. And it was difficult. Like, it was hard to do that. Because when you play three sets and say you dominate a team, you maybe get 12. Like, but you've got to be set at least, I don't know, 30 times in a match to get that. And you might not even get that many sets. Especially when Sean's uh, didn't pick you in the CIS pool and he's trying to stack the deck against you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you were never on my fantasy squad. And that's why I always withheld my uh, any sets. But I think if the pipe was a little bit bigger, Garrett, when you were around, you would have had more potential. For, for more points too. We lost you a little bit in the back row. We, we would set it, but not as much as they do now. I know, I wish I wish we set it more. We might've won a few more games because uh, I think on my career, I hit 75% from pipe. You were very efficient, but we could only run it in free ball situations because I wasn't that good at setting it, so. We couldn't, we, yeah. yeah, I mean, regret. Let's not go down that road <laughs> because we've had a great episode so far. Let's end it on a high note, Sean, before we digress. And Perfect. really get miserable. So thank you so much for coming, Sean. It's great to see you, man. And happy new year. Gosh, welcome back to Sharp Cuts, everybody. Um, so thanks for your time, Sean. I know uh, you're a busy guy. So thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me. And thanks for uh, doing all this for the volleyball community. This is awesome. And uh, at the very least, gives me something to listen to while I uh, while I go to the gym and stuff. So appreciate the content you guys put out. It's always awesome to listen. Are you going to listen to this one back or... No, no, I never listened to myself. But oh, okay. the other ones yeah. have been You lived it. You didn't want to. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I understand. I understand. Okay. Cool. And yeah, just keep thinking about, just give some thought into the uh, Sharp Cuts USASC relationship there. I mean, 800. I mean, we'd, we'd like to get a piece of that. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back. We'll circle back. But uh, thanks for joining us. Josh, pleasure as always. Anything else you want to tell to the people, Josh? Should we say the usual, if you're still listening, and then say something fun? But I mean, we were just too into the conversation. 
Yeah, I, I should we risk it and say tune in next Monday for another brand new episode? Are we gonna go streaking, Garrett? Are we gonna get two in a row? You think? Are you are you are you willing to take that risk, Josh? <laughs> new episode every con- Monday, kinda. <laughs> Some Mondays of the year, <laughs> a number of Mondays. All righty, let's cut this off before we alienate our audience. Thanks, Sean, for joining us. Josh, pleasure as always. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.